Yeah, and you can you have a little bit of an idea of where we're headed. We've got basic training, fight or not fight. That's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Lord, speak to our hearts on how to handle being offended by other people. It's an excellent measure of where our relationship, where our heart is with you, the way we handle offenses. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our church family, Lord, as, as, as you're building up hearts of forgiveness, as you're building up an awareness of the necessary work that needs to be done in purifying our hearts. And much of that work is involves people and relationships. And Father, we know that at times people take advantage of us. Um, we know that at times we take advantage of others. We know that we have our own mistakes and people treat us a certain way. Father, just things happen, Lord. And so, Father, I just pray, Lord, that no matter the situation or state that we find ourselves in, but, Lord, that our hearts would be crying and just aching out for what you want to do, what you're at work doing, what needs to be done in us so that you can just bring forth further fruit and do more things. I pray that that would be the cry of our hearts. I pray that the cry of our hearts wouldn't be just fix it, have it be done, take care of that person. God, just wipe that stuff out, Lord. It's no good. And I just thank you that in your word, in your word, Lord, you just show us, you give us some things to see and watch and observe as people interact with each other, Lord. So may we hold on to the good and look to stay away from the bad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, let me tell you this before we look in there. Look into this. If you want a surefire way to disqualify yourself from being used strongly by God, um, and you want a surefire way to really squelch His voice in your life, there's one word that really starts you on that track. And unfortunately, it can keep you going for a while if you feed that fire because it gets bigger and bigger. And the word starts with a J and it ends with a Y. Jealousy. Bad, bad news. Bad news. And it doesn't take a whole lot for it to grow. And, you know, the ending, it, it can get really bad. You know, it can be really Our jealousy can make us do some crazy things, unfortunately. And it's not like none of us in the room have ever not been jealous about somebody else. So if you've never had that or don't even know that feeling, you're lying to yourself. (laughs) It just happens. Our flesh just does it. You know, jealousy probably, you know, it can be, you can Google it later, but it's really best described as really just envying, seeing what else is out there and just envying what somebody else has or what their situation looks like. Oh, I wish my spouse was like that. I wish my job was like that. How come I can't talk like that? Why, does, why aren't my friends like that? How come I don't have this? How come I don't? Right? It's just an envying. 
And I think what makes it like really difficult, not that, obviously it was a problem way back here. It's, a way, it's been a problem ever since we've been around. <laughs> Certainly something that ramps it up is just this whole digital and internet age. It makes it tough, you know, like you can do a lot of things with technology, with the internet, and we can have access to amazing amounts of really good information really quickly, like we never have before. Unfortunately, it also brings the other side where there's a lot of looking around at other people and other lives. And uh, I'll put it to you, this, and that's dangerous. And I can't remember, maybe it's happened recently, but I personally cannot remember the last time and I'm just talk, talking with men, especially with men. I can't remember the last time a man came up to me and they said, you know, I'm really struggling with being jealous. I can't, maybe it's happened, but I can't remember. Where a man has told me that. He's just come up and he said, you know what? I'm jealous of so-and-so. It's bothering me. I can't remember. And... We're all struggle like with that. That's like a thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I can easily refer back to people and to situations of just jealousy. And uh, and I remember the work that the Lord had to do to really bring some freedom there. Because man, I didn't want to stay there. It was bad. It's like whenever that person or that situation arose, I wanted to distance myself. Like I was just like weird. You know, I just get weird. You know. I'm fine, you know, but you're not. It's like weird, you know, and on the inside, you just know it's not right. You just know it's not right. So it's interesting in the passage we're going to look at today, you know, we're going to get a strong warning from Saul of jealousy and where that can snowball to. And then I hope that you'll find a significant encouragement from David being faithful no matter how he was getting treated in the midst of jealousy. So I hope that you're going to notice the warning and the really bad snowball effect of what happens, and hopefully it'll scare some of us a little bit. There's nothing wrong with a good, healthy scare from the Holy Spirit. Sobers us up, sobers us up real quick. And that's not a bad thing. But I hope, again, we don't want to just find in the Scripture and find bad things. Everybody pretty much knows it's bad to be jealous. Okay. But I hope we're also going to find some encouragement in who God is and what he can still do with the faithful heart in the midst of a bad situation, being oppressed, being treated unfairly, being taken advantage of. You with me? Do you want to see what happens? Okay, let's see what happens. 1 Samuel 18, last week, a super quick recap all of it's online. You can always follow along. But last week, Justin came in and shared just a little bit on the first few verses. And what happened is, um, basically, First Samuel 16 is when we're, the last time we really dug into it. And since that time, a young shepherd boy, 14, 15 years old, steps on the scene, takes out a nine-foot giant. And he's the only one that stepped up to do it. And we talked about that whole situation and what happened. And, and what happened is, since he had that victory, and it was very public, everybody noticed, including King Saul, and everybody now really likes, really likes, this new young guy, David. 
And David had befriended the king's son, Jonathan. So they're not just good friends, like friends, really good friends. The Bible describes them as being one in spirit. Super close, super tight, just all for each other. And we expounded on that a little bit on Wednesday night, you know, as far as, you know, who's the Jonathan in your life? Because it's important to have Jonathans in our life. And you might or might not have one, but the important thing is that we should be conscious about it and be working towards that. Because it's really important, and I will tell you personally that the most healthy Christians I've ever met and ever been around, they have Jonathans in their life. That they're like, no, my soul is just tied to them. And they have full access into my life. And I got full access into their life. But we're trying to champion each other on and then go after this thing. It's really important. And we talked a lot about that on Wednesday. And Justin talked last week about that big focus as far as, you know, championing other people along, encouraging them, seeing them to just really go well, go far, and just join together in unity. And so... We're going to pick up now, we're going to pick up in verse verse 5, because we leave off in verse 4. And not only did Jonathan and David get along so well, Jonathan also knew that David was going to be the next king. In other words, that was Jonathan's job. (laughs) That was his inheritance. His dad is the king. He's next in line. He's going to receive everything. And because he's so tight-knit and he's in the right relationship with David, he recognizes, let say recognize. He recognizes the call that's on his life and he says, I better get out of the way with what God is doing because I'm not supposed to be in that position. Even though in the flesh it's like supposed to be his. But in the spirit, he knows he can see it's not supposed to be mine. That's That's wisdom. He just lays it down. And in verse 4, he he gives him his armor. He gives him his bow. He gives him his tunic. He gives him everything. As an illustration show, I know that this is the calling God has in your life. I just want to get behind it and support it. Please don't forget my family. Like, significant. Very significant. And that's very much an illustration of the picture that we as Christians, we should have with the world around us, especially other people in church and in the church as a whole. Just say, there's just some people out there, you know, they haven't been to the right schooling, they haven't been around like the perfect circles, they don't have all the pedigree, but for whatever reason... God uses an individual and they just go flying. And some people are toiling and they're laboring in, a particular, laboring in a particular area, doing a particular thing in a season of life, and it's just like, I am so much more qualified than them. It's very important for us to recognize the value and the call on people's lives and say, ah, Not even leave room for that sort of suspicious view. But just like, praise God, they're they're going after it. And God is doing it in their life. It's going to bring them to such a good place. And whoever gets around them, they're going to be blessed. It's so good. 
Most people, we are not naturally built to do that. We like to self-promote. We like to make sure that we're seen and we're heard. And we really don't like to be intentionally squashed or like left out of things. So we pick up in verse 5, okay? So this is right after Jonathan gave him all his stuff. Verse 5. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully, and I'm going to say wisely, because that's what it says in New King James. It's really the better interpretation, translation. So whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so wisely that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So after the Goliath thing happens, Saul's like, hey, okay, you're getting a promotion. You're in the army. You're going to be leading people into war now. So everyone's like, yeah, that's the right move. Verse 6. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was there saying, yeah, go David. (laughs) Nope, unfortunately not. Verse 8, Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous or suspicious eye on David. So we do, like we notice things, you know what I mean? It seems threatening to us. Verse 10, the next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. And if you missed, um, that's... What's the deal there, right? There's a spirit from God came to harass and cause injury to Saul. What is the deal? It's a whole can of worms. If you missed First Samuel 16 message about that, you gotta go. You just gotta go listen. I think it'll be helpful. It'll be helpful. So he came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house. While David was playing the harp, as he usually did. So right away we get a peak as far as this jealousy and this bitterness and suspicious eye growing, and then you have this other man trying to bring comfort, trying to bring just an ease to the situation for this man. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. <laughs> that happened a couple of times, apparently. I have to guess after the first time. David's like, well, you know what? That's okay. I'm going to go back and still try and help him out. This is all very interesting. We're going to get somewhere with it. Verse 12, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. And everything he did, excuse me, he had great success where he was very wise. Because the Lord is with him. And when Saul saw how successful or wise he was, he was afraid of him. 
But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. So Saul said to David, here's my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you in marriage, only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. But David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Merab, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adriel of Mahola. Now Saul's daughter, Michal, was in love with David, and when they had told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him, so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. Then Saul ordered his attendants, Speak to David privately and say, Look, the king is pleased with you, and his attendants and all like you now become his son-in-law. Verse 23, They repeated these words to David, but David said, Do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, The king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. That's one way to pay, I guess, huh? Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. He brought their foreskins foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter Michal in marriage. And when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michal loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him. And he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle as often as they did. David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers. And his name became well known. Interesting situation, right? Unfortunate situation. And you can see the warning from jealousy going on here. Because here's the cycle. Here's what happens. You have jealousy. That's an envy. You notice something and like you want it. You want it. And then that graduates to covetousness. Ever say covet? Yeah, it graduates to that. And what covet means, that means I started with jealousy, I started with envy, but now it means I can't get it out of my head. I really, really want that. I'm like focused on like in an unhealthy way, really focused on it. And in his situation went from jealousy to covetousness to anger to I got to kill this guy. I just got to get rid of him. And so we see a snapshot of what could possibly happen when jealousy is allowed to come in and goes unchecked. Goes unchecked. It's just those emotions come in. We don't deal with them in any way, shape, or form. And we just let them just go. Gets to a really unhealthy place. Really dangerous place. And it's, just, it's like crazy stuff. He's like, man, he, th- he throws his spear at him while he's singing for him, trying to make him feel better. Then he's like, you know what? I just, I'm tired of this guy. You know what? 
Throw him in a bigger army. Let the Philistines just kill him, because I can't even kill this guy. And then he just keeps winning. It's like, this guy. You know what? Fine. Uh, you can have my daughter. Have her in marriage. Day comes. Just kidding. I already gave her away to another guy. Just hit after hit after hit. Imagine if you're David. I mean, put yourself in the sandals. We get so surprised like when things happen to us and like it rains on the just and the unjust. When things just happen, I don't understand why we get so surprised and we get so rocked about things. The most faithful, the hits just come. It's just part of what happens. We're all going through things. Stuff is happening to all of us. It's all going to happen and it's not really going to end. So, then he's like, you know what? Well, I got another daughter. Oh, and she's really digging him. She loves him. She really likes him. And his, his thought process is, you know what? Something about her. She must be a bad girl or something, you know? Or I, I don't know. But he goes, you know what? That actually might be good because she will be a snare. She'll be a trap for him. So something about whoever she is and her character, like he knew that maybe somehow it could mess David up. So he's like, oh, that's the perfect one. Then they end up getting married. He doesn't get 100 foreskins. He gets 200 of them. Above and beyond after all of the nonsense. So like I said, there's a warning there as far as jealousy when it goes unchecked. We have to check it, guys. Like, it's important stuff. And we have to, like, call it what it is when it happens. It's really, really important. Because it's going to hurt us and it's going to disqualify us and it's just going to mess us up and bring us to places that we don't want to be and it's going to make us blind to actually what's really going on. Saul couldn't see anything other than him not being the man. That's all he could see. I'm not the man, right? I was the man. And people were singing about me and they liked me and they wanted to follow me. And he's like, now they're singing about him. He killed one guy, not 10,000, but now it's 10,000. He can't even see that Samuel had already ordained this guy, already anointed him years previous to lead the kingdom. And Samuel told him, the kingdom has been taken from you. Back in 1 Samuel 15, it's been taken from you. And it's like he didn't even hear that. Because he's talking now like, this guy's a problem. I think he's going to take the kingdom from me. Do you think? (laughs) But he can't even see straight because he's just clouded and blinded by what he just so doesn't like what's happening in somebody else's life. It's a serious problem, guys. So when we have that happening inside of us, you have to be aggressive and intentional about that. We really have to. And none of us are above it. And so I can only really encourage, just strongly encourage you, if you have that towards anyone in any situation, you have to take some steps towards being like, you know what? This has to get in the light. This can't stay where it is. We need freedom on this. I need to be able to just pray for this person and have it be good. That's for me. That's for you. Because all of, we're not above any of this. My heart actually kind of hurts for Saul. 
So unfortunately, he made a lot of bad decisions. You know what Saul's big problem was and how he got to this point? It's not like he showed up. It's not like he woke up and he's like, you know what? I just want to be jealous today. I don't want to like root for him. I, I just, you know, I want to have a bad attitude. I want to try and hit him with my spear today. What he did is he made a progressive, if you've been reading through 1 Samuel with us, he made it a progressive situation for himself where he repeatedly did not fully, everybody say fully, where he did not fully give himself to what God wanted him to do. Are you with me? So like, when we do, we're hurting ourselves when we don't do that. We're making things more complicated. And it's not like God can't redeem that situation. It's not like he can't work in it. Because God, he can. But man, it makes things really difficult. And so he just made this, like, just this progression of just not following through all the way like God had asked him to. And then we see that there are some consequences. You know, like there's consequences. So those are the warnings, which I hope we don't miss. I know I don't miss. Like, I know I read that, and I'm like, if anybody's even borderline in my heart and in my mind about, like, I'm jealous or I covet, I, I got I to do better. Like, I, I got I to gotta get it together, right? I, like, that's, that's the way I read that. That's God saying, hey, listen, this is very problematic, and this can't be in my people. It's actually going to rob the very thing that I want to do. Okay, so now, the encouragement part, which I, I hope you find encouraging. The encouraging part is David himself, who is like this pillar of faithfulness to what God has called him to do. It's amazing to me that he just took down this nine-foot giant and he was aggressive about it, like nobody else in the entire army, whoever was around, the, I, don't want to go, I don't want to face him. He's nine feet tall, he's huge, he just, he's intimidating. I'm, I'm, we're all scared. And then you have this 15-year-old kid that says, you can't talk about God like that. And why are we allowing it? I don't, something's got to be done, I guess I'll just do it. He just shows up with some rocks and a sling, some shepherd kid. It's a very aggressive moment, like where he like engages, he takes it and engages in that. Then you have this situation, a different type of battle. He's getting taken advantage of, obviously, right? Um, he's not getting treated fairly. He's being lied to. It's all happening intentionally, and it's happening repeatedly. I think everybody here knows when you're getting treated wrongly, intentionally, and repeatedly for most people, that's like, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. We got to have that. Like, when you become a believer, it's like you get new skin so people can't get under it. Right? That's not mine. I stole it from somebody. But as soon as they said it, I was like, that's true. That's true. And I need that in my life. Because it's, it's true, like, he just puts, he gives us new skin. And it's important. And so, like, the title of the message, you know, fight or not fight, it's like David, he just went from fighting, and then he chopped his head off, I mean, it's, to this next one where it's like, he is actually being attacked 
and having things thrown at him. And he's saying, you know what? This is not one I'm going to fight. I'm not supposed to fight here. Do you see the wisdom involved in that? And do you see that, like in my Bible, NIV, um, there's a footnote for all the time it says success. And in the King James, like it says wisdom. Like wisdom and success are synonymous when we're talking about the Bible and we're talking about the kingdom and what God is doing. Extremely wise people that can discern situations really well of when it's time to do this and when it's time to do that, the Bible calls that being very successful. Because how many people know that at this point in time, David was anointed to be king. He wasn't king. He wasn't living in a mansion. Things weren't all coming together for him. But the Bible is calling him successful, 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 successful. When everything around him is kind of falling apart. But God's saying, no, he's successful, he's successful. But God, you said I'd be king, and you said, like, these things are going to happen in my life. Just, just stay faithful in your assignment and what you're doing right now. So it's like, do I fight or do I not fight? Like, when is the time where we've got to get up arms and, like, go after it? And then when's the time where it's, Okay, I'm going to get stepped on, take advantage of, and I'm, I'm just going to give him my best. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to give him my best. Because there's times for each. And we have to rely on the Holy Spirit as far as when it's time for us to be a little more aggressive and initiating and engaging. And then we also have to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know what? You better not do much right now. You just sit and be faithful in what you're doing and not say a whole lot. There's seasons for both. And it's really important for myself and for all of us to, one, have a recognition of that. But then secondly, when we're in those seasons, say, like, Lord, which, how do you want me to be in this situation? There is no formula here. I see you in both places. In the Old Testament, you told them to go in and take a town by force, and they would. And in the Old Testament, it also says, just stand there. I'm going to fight for you today. So like, God, which one are we doing right now? And that's what's important for us to have a recognition of, but to like engage with God on that in prayer and in communication with him. It's super important. And, I mean, I love how, I just love David's heart of faithfulness just throughout the whole thing. It's just, you know, it's crazy. And I think, okay, pretty confident. When we get treated a certain way, when we go through life and things happen to us, kind of the idea is the rest of the world that's watching and around their lives are like, I don't understand how they're doing that. How are they responding that way? I, I don't. Kind of like what we just read and we saw happen with David and how he just stayed in it. That's like a picture of like how we're called to respond. And for many of us, we have way too many buttons and we just go off the deep end way too fast. 
And it's like, man, look, 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 look. Like, he'll be faithful. He will be faithful. Just trust God with what's going to happen. And, I mean, we don't read here, and we're going to read further in 1 Samuel. David was just not interested in harming or taking advantage of this guy Saul. It wasn't in his heart. It was in his heart to do it to Goliath, that's for sure. <laughs> but as far as Saul was concerned, he's like, this is, it's, not, it's not my thing. Like, this, this is something God's going to have to do. But again, there's a season for each. There's a season for each. So, whatever's in your life, you going to fight? Are you not going to fight? How are we going to handle a situation? I hope, I hope, you know, it's my prayer, that the faithfulness in our assignment is what really matters the most. We all have unique assignments. We got unique roles and places that we play in life. And it's really important that we follow through really well on them. Because David, he wasn't able to become king 20 to 25 years after the thing happened in his living room in front of his brothers. And he was anointed with oil. And after this, he marries Michal and things are going to happen. We're going to see he spends the next 10 to 12 years running. Running, living in caves. I was like, oh, wow. Thanks for this ministry, Lord. <laughs> See, like, Saul was just falling apart. David was being prepared for what he was going to inherit. And I'm so glad David was just like, everything's just a mess, falling apart. I don't even know. Maybe I just had a dream that I got anointed in the living room, you know. David was being prepared. So, like, we're being prepared for stuff, you know, when things are just are what they are. Like, we're being prepared, but God is faithful. He will see us through. He promises to be our strength and our salvation. Nobody's getting away with anything. And sometimes we think it. Because if we don't personally see the justice happen to them, they're getting away. I don't think so. They still got to, like, bow before the Creator, before the King. And honestly, I hope we're praying that their heart will be changed and they will give their lives to Jesus Christ before they encounter him because it will be no joke then. Alrighty, let's stand. We're going to close in prayer. <clears throat> Actually, no, we'll sing that, last, we'll sing that first song.